Welcome to Jets Audibles. Eric Allen here, joined by Chad Pennington, as always. Well, Chad, we started this podcast a couple weeks ago, and the Jets are undefeated. Uh, so you're bringing good luck to the green and white, your former team. How do you feel about that? Anything I can do to help, Eric, that's always the deal. The more, more you can do, the more valuable you are. Uh, before we start talking about the Jets and their latest victory, uh, win over the Colts. Uh, give us an update on how uh, your coaching career is going because I know you had a big game last week against a heavily favored football team. How did you guys play in your underdog role? Well, we actually did well. We uh, we won the game 20-16, to 16 and uh, kids played really, really well against a real physical team. Uh, unfortunately, we suffered a heartbreaking 6-0 to zero loss last night. <laughs> um, so it's, uh, we're, we're reeling this morning, but we're going to uh, observe the 24-hour rule and get back to work this afternoon. All right, so give us an update on that. This is your middle school team you're coaching, right, and, you're, and, and your son Cole's on it? Yeah, it's it's a middle school B team. Uh, we're we're not experienced enough to be able to play a top A team schedule in the city of Lexington. But it's a B team, and we play rec teams. And the whole goal is to give these kids attending this private school a, a chance to experience football. And if they want to try to play high school football, they feel confident and prepared that they can do so. So uh, it's it's been a good experience, and I've enjoyed it. Well, how were you able to uh, pull off that upset? Because a lot of people thought last week, uh, going into their into that matchup, uh, you guys might be in for a tough night. But you did pull off the twenty to sixteen win. Well, the kids worked really, really hard on the game plan throughout the week, and uh, they decided that they were going to be physical and they were going to match physicality with physicality, and, and they executed extremely, extremely well. And, they're over. Uh, they're able to overcome adversity twice, where we were down twice in the game and came back to win in the end. And then we had a big fourth down stop with uh, five seconds left on on our own 15 yard line to seal the deal. So it was really exciting. The kids were really excited about it. How does Chad Pennington, the coach, celebrate a victory? Because I asked Todd Bowles about this last week. He said, "With chips ahoy and one percent milk." before he goes to bed. That's how he celebrates. How about you, Jed? <laughs> well, it depends. It depends. Actually, it depends on what uh, food truck is out at the game. Uh, our parents order a different food truck every week uh, for people to be able to get snacks and concessions. And so uh, last night I, I uh, had to lament in my loss with Sweet Lilies with two big chili hot dogs and uh, vanilla yogurt. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. That's uh, not actually the post-game uh, snack of champions. No, I didn't reward myself because we lost, so I, w I went with the fattening route. All right, so let's talk about the Jets. What do you think about them, uh, the way they played Monday night in Indianapolis? A lot of folks before the game thought this might be a tough matchup, and we talked about it last week, and you thought – they had a good chance going into it. I, I certainly did, and I, I think the word for Monday night's victory was efficiency. I thought that both defensively and offensively uh, the Jets were efficient. Uh, nothing spectacular, nothing flashy, not a sexy victory, but a, just a good, hard-nosed, solid team win. I thought there was a lot of complimentary football played in that game. And uh, so it was a very efficient victory for the Jets. Uh, 
So we're going to take a Twitter question here early because I like this one because a lot of people are interacting over uh, all the various social platforms during the game, as you know, and a lot of people were asking me this during the game, Chad, so I wanted to get this out of the way early. Levin writes in and asks, do you think the Jets got too conservative with the play calling last game in the second half? Uh, his concern is that it should have scored some more points off of those turnovers. Um, I don't think it was uh, conservative in nature as much as the lack of execution off of those turnovers. I certainly agree. You have five turnovers. Uh, you need to be able to score more than 20 points. But I think uh, also the coaching staff recognized uh, in the second half especially that the, coach, the Colts were reeling, and because they, of their struggles, they wanted to make sure as a team the Jets didn't breathe life into the Colts situation uh, with turnovers or bad plays, negative plays, and things like that. So they were playing it close to the vest, and they were going to make sure that they did not give the Colts any momentum, that if there were any breaks being created, Colts would have to create those breaks, and they were unable to. The one break that they did create with the scoring drive to make it 10-7, to that's where the complimentary football came in. You saw the Jets open it back up move the ball right down the field and score to make it a 10-point game uh, mid midway through the fourth quarter, which was really, really big. That that sealed the deal right there. It really took took the momentum away from the Colts. What does that say, that drive? Because that's what it was all about right there, as you just said. It's 10-7. The crowd got back in the game. I'm sitting there in the press box way up towards heaven in Indianapolis. We're way up there. But the place was rocking. And... In the past, this might have been a moment, Chad, where the game could have slipped away, but the Jets did have the answer. And what does that say about their confidence in in, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick? Because Chan Gailey came out firing the football uh, on that drive, on the drive that sealed the game. Well, I think the word that should be used in a situation is maturity. I think you have a mature offense, and it first starts with your veteran quarterback. And like we said two weeks ago, I believe that the acquisition of Ryan Fitzpatrick has given stability to the Jets team. Uh, And so uh, that's what he was able to produce on Monday night as well. Stability during a rocky situation where it's 10-7, to the Colts gain a little momentum, the crowd gets involved, Chan puts the game in Ryan's hands, He dishes the ball to his receivers. He goes to his playmakers. The running game then starts to come to life, have a couple big plays in the running game to keep the drive going. And it was just a very mature drive and a very mature offense out there that did not succumb to the momentum and pressure of the Colts. Eric Decker, he's got a sprained knees day-to-day. We'll have to see if he plays on Sunday. Uh, Before uh, I take... The next Twitter question, what what I want to ask here is, what do you think about him being used in the slot? Because we talked about this even before coming on air, is that, wow, him matched up against the linebackers, just a huge mismatch, and the Jets went to it early and often the other night. Uh, what do you think about him in the slot? And also, how are teams going to adjust to that down the line over the next 14 games? Well, I think it's um, awesome to see him in the slot, first of all, and I think it really shows uh, 
his versatility and what he's able to do. Last year, he was called upon to make plays on the outside. This year, he's been called upon to make plays up on the inside. He's been able to do both, and that really shows his versatility. He was outstanding in the first half with his route running. His route running was very crisp. His timing with Fitzpatrick was, was on the money, and he was finding the spots and really making some big plays, keeping drives alive. And because he was doing that, that then opened up the outside for Brandon Marshall in the second half. So those two players, Decker and Marshall, they go hand-in-hand hand with each other. I think Fitzpatrick feels very comfortable with both of them. And uh, they're just mature, solid, professional football players that, that know how to play the game. How are teams going to adjust, though, you think? Uh because the Colts were doubling Brandon predominantly throughout the evening, whereas Decker was getting free, and he was matched up sometimes with linebackers, and, and that just is a big-time advantage to the Jets. How do you think teams are going to change up their strategy when defending this offense? They will start to – opponents will start to look at tendencies of the Jets and see when – Decker is used and how he is used, and then also look at Marshall, and they'll have to uh, change up their coverages. Sometimes they may choose to double Decker in certain situations. Sometimes they may choose to double Brandon Marshall. Other times they may may leave them one on one and try to get more pressure on the quarterback. Uh, that that's the first thing you try to do is try to find ways to take advantage of uh, protection schemes so that quarterback doesn't have time to make the correct throw. Uh, he's always harassed. You're moving him off his spot, putting him on the run. Uh, that's what the Jets did to the Colts, and, and it worked out great. So there will be different philosophies with that, and the Jets will have to react accordingly each week. All right, so if Decker can't go on Sunday and Jay Crispy writes in and asks this question, how do you think that impacts the offense? Uh, it certainly impacts it. There's no doubt about it, first of all. It puts uh, a little bit more responsibility on the two young receivers to make sure that they are crisp in their route running and that they're doing things that uh, that Decker was doing in the slot. They're going to have they're going to be called upon uh, to be able to do some of those things, and then also the running backs will then have to get more involved in the passing game as well. And it may uh, may call upon the running game to do some things, uh, um, you know, to really create some big plays in the running game. So. It certainly affects Jets. It doesn't shut them down, but it changes the mindset because you're taking out a very good professional football player out of the mix. And uh, it, then it also uh, will allow teams not to worry about an Eric Decker in the slot, and they can put more emphasis on Brandon Marshall. So uh, the two young receivers have really got to step up and make some plays for the Jets. Y the yeah, game. because all teams, you know this, uh, face adversity. With injuries, everybody in the National Football League is dealing with injuries. But for the Jets, it could be interesting this weekend because if Decker's down, Coach Todd Bowles said on ESPN Radio this week that Chris Owusu has a leg injury and he could be out for as many as two games. So that means, uh, like you're talking about the young receivers, Quincy Nunwa, he could step into a more prominent role. And the other guy that Jets fans continue to ask about is uh, Jeremy Curley. Well, he hasn't got a lot of run here early in the season, but he might have to step up for this team. And uh, thirdly is Devin Smith, the rookie who's been practicing full for this squad 
but he missed so many reps during training camp, the Jets did not rush him back into the lineup. Last week, he might be up this week and step into some kind of role. The Jets have said, Shane Gailey said last week, hey, listen, we're not going to put him in uh, too many positions right now. We're going to keep him at one spot. And I would imagine uh, that probably means he'll be playing outside. Don't you think, uh, Chad, considering he missed – uh, the better part of training camp, ex- except for a few days. He's just been back at practice uh, for a week and a half, two weeks. Do you think that means that he'll be playing more outside? No question, and that's what he was used to doing at uh, Ohio State as well. He was the deep threat. He was the big ball skills guy on the outside. And so when you have a young receiver with his ability, what you do, you simplify his thought process, you put him on the outside, you give him a few routes to really concentrate on and get good at, and then you try to take advantage of that and let him use his raw ability to help your team uh, make a play. The Jets are in a good situation, though, having Jeremy Curley there. He can step in. He's an inside route runner. He's been successful in the past. That's a great situation to be in if you're the Jets. And then Anunwa did a great job. He had a great uh, deep crossing route that he uh, made a catch on uh, for Fitzpatrick in the game on Monday. He'll be asked to do a little bit more, so uh, this is why we call the game of football a team game. And when your team faces adversity due to injury, uh, other players uh, have to step up. Any concern there about the run game? Uh, obviously, the Colts gave the Jets some difficulties with the way they were moving and stunning up front. But I thought they stayed with it, and they sprung a couple runs there in the second half with Ivory and Blaupa. Yeah, It was a workman-type uh, a performance uh, for the offensive line. It wasn't flashy. Uh, there weren't a lot of big plays, but there weren't a lot of negative plays either. That's what I was looking at when I was watching the game for the second time. There weren't very many big negative plays. Uh, they may have had you know, a handful of plays that maybe went for a yard or no gain or minus two, but there weren't just big negative plays that to give the Colts defense momentum. Uh, Coach Pagano's defense and uh, Coach Manuski, they do a really good job of stopping the run. Uh, it's very hard to run against their defense. But the Jets kept at it. They kept it in the game plan. They didn't abort the running game. And you saw the running game make some big plays for the Jets in the fourth quarter on those two scoring drives. And that's what you're looking at in the first three quarters. If you can grind on the defense, wear them down, and then in the fourth quarter you break through with a couple of, of big runs to keep scoring drives alive, uh, that's a recipe for success. And you look at the stats, they weren't great, but they did – Eclipsed the 100-yard mark, and they were efficient. Uncle Joe wants to know, Chad, do you think the Jets can make real noise with just a ball-control offense that he says is average in a passing league? Well, I don't look at the Jets as a ball-control offense. I look at their first two performances as an offense. that, First of all, they're feeling their way out. They have a new coordinator, new quarterback, new positions and in, in, in key areas, new players. And so uh, they're feeling their way through it. But while they're feeling their way through it, they're finding ways to be productive. They're finding ways to score in the red zone, uh, finding ways to complement their defense and, and get some points off of these turnovers. So I see the Jets getting better and improving throughout the season as long as the injury bug doesn't hit them. And so that's that's going to be the key and, and the, the other key is when the defense isn't able to have the opponent turn the ball over four to five times, 
can the offense step up and score 30 points? I certainly think they're capable of doing that when you have a healthy Decker, Brandon Marshall, Chris Ivory, Bilal Powell, uh, those type of guys. They're capable of doing that. Yeah, and let's be clear here, too. The Jets are averaging 25.5 points a game. They scored 31 in the opener and 20 in Week 2. And both of those victory, victories were by double digits, and that's tough to do in the National Football League. When you look at the other side of the ball, do you think the Jets confuse luck, or was it more of sheer pressure got to them as far as the Jets' blitz packages were really good, and they brought the numbers, and he just didn't have too much time to throw in most instances. Uh, when you look at his interceptions, I, I don't think I saw the interceptions as being bad decisions. I saw the interceptions as being due to the pressure, uh, having to throw the ball a little bit early, getting your arm hit on the out route, uh, not being able to step into a throw. Uh, those those are the types of things that happen, and that's why even though you don't see sacks, when you see that type of pressure that has affected the quarterback in that way, that is just as effective, if not more effective, than the actual sack. And that's what the Jets have really done. They've been able to create one-on-one matchups where their pass rushers and their defensive players can win those matchups. And in some instances, they've been able to create uh, schemes where there have just been free uh, defenders coming free to, to get pressure on the quarterback as well. So I didn't see confusion by luck. I just saw a quarterback that was harassed, that was hurried with his throws and sometimes got his arm hit as well. How creative were Todd Bowles and Casey Rogers, and how much did you enjoy watching their play calling when you broke down the film? Well, first of all, what you see just from a bird's eye view is you see stability on the sideline. You don't see a staff that gets too high, a staff that gets too low. You see uh, you see a calm, uh, stable sideline and staff, and then – and you also see a head coach and a defensive coordinator working well together and not worrying about who's going to get the credit and who designed what scheme, but working well together and complementing each other, making adjustments that they need to make uh, to get the job done defensively. Ten takeaways. That's something else. Will that get into the mind of an opposing offense? Like Philadelphia's coming here and they're a struggling unit, Sam Bradford and company. The does that pop out at you during the week that can that get an opposing tight because now the Jets defense is starting to create this culture of taking the ball away because last year Jed 13 takeaways they got 10 in two weeks well what's going to happen is the opponent is going to game plan and talk about in their team meetings we cannot afford to turn the ball over we must force the Jets to beat us straight up without turning the ball over. It's similar to when I was with the Jets and we would play the Dolphins and we knew that the Dolphins had a really, really good defense. We knew going into the game we could not turn the ball over. We could not let the pass rushers get to us. And we had to force their offense to try to beat us. And so that's going to have to be the mindset of the opponent to see if the Jets can win a game like that where there aren't a lot of turnovers in short fields. Harold writes in and asks, how can the Jets' defense slow down a quarterback like Sam Bradford in Philadelphia's 
hurry up. It's a good question. What are, there in, what are the inherent challenges of uh, facing an offense like Philly's that's pretty unique in the National Football League? When you face a hurry-up offense and face an offense like the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, there's there's three keys in my opinion. Number one is defensive communication, uh, getting lined up. The hurry-up offense is designed to where the defense can't communicate, and then you find a defender out of place. Uh, you get out leveraged. You're not in the spots that you normally are because you have been able to huddle and get your calls in on time. So number one is communication. I think number two is physicality. You have to match their tempo by being physical and being able to punch them in the mouth and get get after them just as much as they want to get after you with their tempo, you need to get after them with your physicality. And then and then three, I think the biggest key to Philadelphia's offense of stopping them is the first down production. If they get that first down play, positive yards, eight, nine, ten yards, and they get that drive started, very difficult to stop that momentum. I remember watching the Seattle Seahawks against the Eagles last year. They did very well on first down, uh, making sure that the Eagles were not successful on first down, which slowed the tempo of the offense down. You surprised by their early season struggles? I know a lot can change in the National Football League, but you look at DeMarco Murray's numbers. Is I don't even know if he's averaging a yard per carry. They haven't been able to get anything going on the ground at all, and Bradford struggled at times. He's got four interceptions here early in the season. Well, what you've seen, you've seen a team that is definitely trying to learn each other. You have some moving parts. You've got a new quarterback. You've got a new running back. You lost to a great professional football player in Lazaro McCoy. Um, so, you, uh, you've got a lot of moving parts here that's trying to figure it out. And preseason football is completely different than the regular season football. So they they typically figure it out and they typically get going. But right now they're struggling with it and, and they certainly have issues. And when you're facing a struggling team, uh, as, as the Jets are, you've got to make sure that you don't breathe life into them by making your own mistakes, that you stay efficient uh, and you stay close to the vest of what you're trying to get accomplished and uh, don't give them any life to get the momentum going in their favor. Like you mentioned before, how much are you appre uh, appreciating uh, this team's patience so far this season when you're talking about the Jets? Because, you know, that Cleveland game, there were some spots early where, you know, uh, they give up a nine-minute drive, they give up a long touchdown, but there was never any panic. Then, it, uh, you know, you fast-forward to Indianapolis, and the Jets, yeah, they got the early takeaway, and they scored – Nice uh, design call by Changeli getting uh, Decker free for the touchdown. But that first half, 7 nothing, and then you get a field goal. You miss a field goal at, at, at halftime, and, and then you give up the nine-minute uh, drive to start the second half. just seems like the Jets, even though uh, they didn't put the Colts away right away. They just remained patient, and nobody ever panicked and said, here we go. And same thing, you go back to the Browns game, too, I think, is that the Jets had spots early where it didn't look great, but they just stayed with it. Yeah, I think that's a sign of a, a mature coaching staff and a mature football team, You know, understanding that it is four quarters, understanding that you've got to play on an even kill. There's going to be adversity that you face, and it's not – when and why and how and where the adversity happens, but how you respond to the adversity. And they've been able to to respond to the adversity 
relatively well and making sure that they just stay the course, stay to the game plan. And I think that's uh, evident in their in their veteran quarterback in Fitzpatrick. Uh, it's evident with their defense and uh, staying the course. And as a team, they're not pushing the panic button, and that's important as you move later into the season. What do you think about Revis' performance Monday night? That's a first for him, three takeaways in one game. <laughs> Certainly it was in the right spot at the right time uh, on the first fumble. Second fumble recovery was all him as Frank Gore was trying to get his uh, hands on the ball and fumbling it around. Revis knocks it out and recovers it. And then uh, on the interception, that was uh, you know, that was just good ball skills by him to be able to react to the underthrown ball, which was caused by the pressure of the, of the defensive line and the, and the pass rush. Uh, with the blitz scheme, but uh, uh, Revis has always had really good ball skills. He's always played under control. He can play fast, but be under control. Uh, you know, speed, but no control is just chaos. But speed with control, you know, really produces a good solid football player. And that's that's how Darrell plays. He plays with speed. He plays with his hands and physical, and he's he's right there in the right spot at the right time. How much do you think Buster Screen and Marcus Gilchrist are helping the secondary right now? Buster, of course, playing that nickel position. He was all over the field as well, and then Gilchrist comes up with the late interception. And I know Calvin Pryor is really developing here in his second season. i got to credit a lot of that to Gilchrist because Calvin's told me he loves playing with them. He's a great communicator, really smart ball player, and this is his first season with the Jets, and all the guys say, hey, he's kind of running the show back there with his communication. Yeah, it's nice to see you know, other um, defensive backs step up other than Darrell Revis. And, and you look at Buster Screen, you look at Gilchrist, I mean, they're, they're playing solid football. They really are. They're, they're making plays. Um, they're, they're you know right there at the point of reception each time. And if it is caught, they're there to make the tackle. They're there for the pass breakups. The defensive uh, back line is doing a really good job of communicating the coverages and getting everybody lined up. And so it's nice to see. And anytime you can have – it's one thing to have a DB that can cover. It's another thing to have a DB that can cover and also have good ball skills. That's that's the difference in a pass breakup and an interception. And anytime as a quarterback, you know, you're going to have pass breakups. When you got to worry about DBs that can catch and make plays on the ball and turn those pass breakups and interceptions – it changes the ball game, and right now you're seeing a Jet secondary that has good ball skills and that are turning these potential pass breakups into interceptions and turnovers, which are definitely game changers. What do you make of this division after two weeks? We saw New England go into Buffalo and take care of business. I know the Bills were <laughs> very excited for that game, and maybe too much so, a lot of people would say. And then Miami, after an opening season win in Washington, they went down to Jacksonville and they were surprised by the Jaguars. Not, I'm not saying, hey, uh, just break it down what you've seen early from this division. Well, I think that uh, it's still up for grabs and it's open, but I certainly think New England has made a statement. I think they have shown that that uh, just because uh, we've dealt with a lot of adversity in the off season and, and things like that, we're still here and we're still on top of the division. I thought that was a big statement win for them in Buffalo. Uh, that's a very hard place to play. New England normally struggles in Buffalo. They've lost a few games over the years in Buffalo. Um, and, and for them to be able to put up 40 points on Rex Ryan's defense and, and to be able to uh, come out with a win in Buffalo – 
that was a big statement game for them. I think the other three teams and the Dolphins, Bills, and Jets, they've really got to, to step up their play and, and try to challenge the Patriots for this division. But right now, New England has made the first statement of the year. Doesn't mean that it can't change, but they've certainly made the first statement. You know, I was disappointed in Miami losing in Jacksonville. I think if you're going to be a playoff contender and, and you want to really compete for this division, you have to win games uh, against teams like the Jaguars. And uh, the Jets have been efficient. Uh, haven't been flashy, but they've been efficient. They're right where they need to be. And uh, But at the same time, this division is still up for grabs, but there is still an order there uh, where the Patriots are on top right now. One of those teams is going to be facing an early season deficit because the Bills and the Dolphins are playing in South Florida on Sunday. Uh, what do you anticipate happening with that matchup? I think that's a statement game for both teams. Um, that is a matchup that can go either way. Uh, for the Dolphins, they've got to make sure that the Rex Ryan defensive schemes uh, don't force them into turnovers and bad plays. And uh, you know, for Buffalo, they're, they're going to have to go on the road, and this is a, you know a good test for Tyrod Taylor uh, to be able to lead his team down to South Florida and see if they can sneak away with a, a road victory. So both teams, a big challenge for both teams big statement game for both teams. All right. We're going to have time to analyze and preview the Jets and the Pats in a, in a few weeks. But just a general question for you. When you're playing that team, how do you go about defending Tom Brady, Gronkowski, Edelman, and company? Because it seems like, you know, they'll take some shots down the field but a lot of their stuff is based on picks and rubs, and it's a short passing game, and nobody has found an answer for it. The Patriots are different in that their deep threat is actually their tight end. Their, their big play threat is their tight end in Gronkowski. Um, their receivers are for the intermediate and short passing game, yards after catch, keeping drives alive. They're very crafty. Uh, they're good route runners. And uh, it's very difficult to defend uh, because um, you, if you try to put a safety or linebacker on Gronkowski, that's probably not a great matchup. You put a corner on him, uh, he can out-physical the corners. It'll be interesting to see how the Jets uh, try to uh, defend Gronkowski. And, and the biggest way you defend the Patriots is good, solid offensive football on your side, uh, being able to keep them uh, off the field, uh, being able to sustain drives not turn the ball over like Buffalo did and, and give them life. And so it's going to be a game, typically it's a game where you're probably going to have to plan on a 27-24 to 24 type game, but if you can control the football and stay ahead of the score and not have to play from behind, uh, you'll have a very good chance to win. It's going to be fascinating to watch the Jets uh, defend against the Patriots because I would imagine Buster Screen would be put on Edelman, and then like you mentioned, Gronkowski, he's their guy. He's the big guy. Who do you go Who do you go with there, and do you try mixing it up? At times last year, Rivas said that he covered Gronkowski in practice, and he, he said he's a hell of a cover. He's so tough to cover. And, and I've thought about that before because Rivas is a bigger type corner and physical, and it may be a matchup that they – that the Jets have to take a look at. There's no doubt about it. I think you definitely have to go in and say, 
Gronkowski will not beat us. Force Edelman, force Amendola, force these other players to beat us, and let's see if they can. You can't allow Gronkowski to beat you. That's typically the way Belichick, Parcells, these great coaches, they're, they're going to go in and take away your best player and see if, if, see if you uh, can beat them with the other players. And if you can, then you were better that day. But you definitely don't want your superstar to beat you because then you haven't game playing correctly. Chad, what do you want to see from this Jets offense this week as we look ahead to Sunday? We talked about what the defense has to do against Chip Kelly's offense. It's been scuffling. But conversely, from Ryan Fitzpatrick and company, uh, Chris Ivory came out of that ball game sore. He had a groin issue heading into the matchup with the Colts. Hopefully he's able to get uh, you know good rehab this week with John Melody and the crew and is uh, 100% by game time. Uh, we saw what Brandon Marshall can do, go over 100 yards, a difference maker once again on Monday night. But the Jets might be uh, dealing with the loss of Eric Decker on a short-term basis. What do you want to see from the offense this week against Philly at home? Well, it will be easy to say you want to see more production, you want to see more explosive plays, you want to see this and that. But first you have to see what the injury report is and, and see who's available on Sunday because a lot of times that affects your game plan. Remember, you know, the Jets are in to winning football games, not fantasy football, but actual real football games. And so you have to see who's going to be available and then what you can do as a play caller to take advantage of the strengths of the players that are available. And so it may be a grinded-out, dirty win again, but I've never seen any win that doesn't feel good. I mean, you know, every win feels good, especially in the National Football League. So I think we're going to have to see throughout the week how the injury report comes out, and then we also have to see, you know, how the Jets respond defensively to Philly's up-tempo. You'd like to see the Jets' offense be able to sustain long drives. Even if they don't get points, they're 7 and 8, 9, 10 play drives even without points because that allows your defense to stay rested. That allows your defense to continue to communicate on what they're seeing with Philly's no huddle offense. Uh, the short drives kill you against a team like Philadelphia because then they get with their no huddle tempo and they're going down the field again and your defense is back on the field. So you want to see sustained drives. You want to see turnover free football and just good, efficient, consistent uh, football from the offense. Fitzpatrick, 64% passer early this season, four touchdown passes. He got the two picks. You and I were talking about it before. You didn't have a problem with the pick in Indy uh, as he took a shot up the sideline to Brandon Marshall. Vontae Davis made a uh, great deflection. The safety comes over, makes a hell of a play there in the end zone. Another thing that stands out to me when you're talking about Fitzpatrick, he's been sacked once. Now, you got to credit the offensive line, but – you got to credit him for that, too, don't you? Absolutely. Pass protection, it's a team game. It starts up front, making sure that they're picking up the blitz schemes. But then, then secondly, it goes back to the quarterback, understanding how to get the ball out of his hands effectively and quickly. And when there's nothing there, where's my check down? Where are my hot routes? Um, how can I you know, help the offensive line? You can't block every scheme that's thrown at you but you can attack every scheme by getting the ball out of your hand, knowing where all of your options are in case pass protection does break down. And so it's been a nice team effort offensively between the quarterback and an offensive line, and then you throw in your route runners. It's been a really good team effort against pressure. And no surprise here, 
Todd Bowles said, Ryan Fitzpatrick is our starter. Geno Smith, once he returns to team activities, right now he's just doing individual in seven and seven work and practice. Once he returns to team activities, Fitzpatrick is still going to receive all the first team reps with the offense. No surprise to you, right? Not at all. I think that's the right way to go. Uh, Fitzpatrick has brought in stability for the team, that, um, especially amidst a situation that could have gotten very ugly and very difficult for the organization. And, uh, you know, I don't see any reason why to change now or maybe even throughout the whole season. As long as the team is playing well, functioning well, uh, you look way past um, a quarterback's performance sometimes in situations, and you look at the stability that he's bringing to the team and how the team is responding to him, not just looking at his own individual performance. All right. Are the Jets moving to three and all this weekend? They certainly have have a really good shot, and I think against a reeling team playing at home, uh, you, you, you want to start fast. When you're playing against a team that is struggling, you want to start fast. You want to create that indecision. You want to create those negative doubts and thoughts uh, in the opponent's head that here we go again, here's another team, here's another game where we're messing it up. If you can start fast and not breathe life into them and make them earn every yard, every down, every point, certainly makes it more difficult uh, on the opponent. So that's that would be the goal for the Jets, in my opinion, is to start fast is to make sure they're oiled up on their defensive communication, offensively making sure that they're sustaining drives, even if they're not getting points, and really play team football. All right. I enjoyed it as always, and next week we'll check in with you before your two pro teams square off in London, England. How about that? That's going to be exciting. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I never had a chance to play in London. I remember when... We traveled uh, with the Jets to go uh, to Tokyo to play in in the preseason game, and it was certainly a different experience. The old American have Bowl. Have plane ride that, yeah, have the plane ride that long. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how both teams uh, react to it. But uh, it, it's going to be uh, Jets-Dolphins uh, overseas. That'll be a first. All right, we'll talk about it next week. Thanks, Jed. All right, thank you, Eric. Good stuff, bro.